Welcome to the Allies Podcast. I'm your host, Carmen Farino. Hello, this is Carmen Farino, and welcome to another edition of the Allies Podcast. With me is my friend, uh, Inez Pagan. Welcome, Inez. Thank you for having me. Well, it's, uh, it appears that everything is going wrong with the world right now. Um, we've got numbers spiking up all over with COVID. We've got more and more um, kind of contentious dialogue back and forth in the U.S. Um, debates around things like statues and uh, masks. But, you know, through it all, we're still living our lives. We're still going to work. We're still uh, raising our children. And and as you and I go back and forth about this, how hard it is to bring kids up in this type of world. So um, give me a feel of how things are going. What's the summer looking like? The summer is, it, it's really a, a, an interesting time. Um, I was sharing, a, I'll share a story very quickly about um, an experience I had. So I have a 15-year-old and I have a 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. And um, she's a rising sophomore and you know, the school year with COVID has been really interesting, right? Online schooling, not really making friends or new friends rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and she goes to an all girls school. So 15, you can imagine, you know, wow. there's a lot of hormones, a lot of things going on. So she's met a friend uh, online through a mutual friend. And last weekend, she wanted to go meet up with, with said young man. And, mm-hmm. you know, apart from COVID being obviously, uh, you know, really, really at the forefront of, of everything that I'm thinking about, allowing her to go outside, socialize, we're at this yellow phase. Mm-hmm. But her, the young man is Black and Polynesian. My daughter is is, is Latina. She's clearly Afro-Latina. Um, mm-hmm. And these are things that I think about. So one of the things I had to do instinctively was, are there any demonstrations or anything going on in the city that I need to make sure that she's prepared for (laughs) if I allow her to go outside and making sure that we had a plan for that? And, you know, it it really gave me pause to think this is my reality as a parent, that not only am I dealing with this pandemic, right? I'm also thinking of two teenagers roaming around in the city in the current environment that we're in that are black and brown. Like, how do I you know, allow them to live, but also be aware and not be a total helicopter mom at the same time, you know? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's (laughs) on top of all of that, you've got the concerns, you know, around hygiene and safety. You've got concerns about, you know, somebody that you don't know that's that your daughter hasn't met face to face before. Exactly. So how do you, how do you raise strong, confident Latinas in this environment, what do you have to do to let them have a sense of, um, of agency and control um, at the same time that you know so much is kind of swirling around the color of people's skin or their background or where they come from? How do you do it? I, it's really hard. I think. <laughs> you know, apart from what we're facing today, I think it's really difficult. Um, parenting is just, every day I'm learning something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been really open with my girls about um, accepting and, and admitting to when I'm I'm wrong. Um, 
But I've I've also tried to always instill in them that it's okay to disagree, to speak their 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 true voice. You know, don't mm-hmm. follow along just because you're embarrassed or you feel like you know your friends aren't going to like you after or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. It's it's really it's really difficult. But I've also tried to teach them to. Um, you know, stereotypes and jokes and things like that that take place to to make sure that they they always take the opportunity to correct and share. Yeah. And it's not about, you know, making others, just being really real with themselves, I guess, is really what I'm getting at. Um, you know, one of the things we struggle with is, yes, they may not be as fluent in Spanish as I am, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's a struggle here living in the in, in the Philadelphia area. It's not like in Miami where everywhere you go, everyone's speaking Spanish, but sure. um, that doesn't make them any less Latina. That doesn't make them any less, you know, authentic. And yeah. to just really be confident in, in, in their, in their points of their beliefs and their point of views. What do you find? I mean, I, I found this, that I, I started out, you know, kids are like social, you know, science experiments that you, you decide you're going to do something with them. You're going to talk to them like people and not children and you teach them to debate. And then you slowly realize that you've created this, um, this argument uh, machine who can debate you on any issue. And around about 14 or 15, you realize the monster that you created and you're debating everything. Um, do you find that's happening more in this environment um, that your kids are explaining their world to you? And is it, it, and it's slightly different. I mean, mine, we had a whole hour long conversation about gender and about the depth and breadth of gender. You know, it's, it's really, I mean, you really hit a, a really uh, significant topic because so my 15 year old is, is very much, um, she's on the debate team. She has been through middle school and, and now in her freshman year. And, and, and that's the path that she wants to take as a career, right? She, she really wants mm-hmm. to pursue law and, and be, you know, an activist. And, and so these conversations have always been at the heart of our, of, of, of our dinner conversations. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but even more so now, I think um, she's learning that, not everyone is capable of having that kind of debate. And that was a really interesting conversation that we had a few weeks ago at the peak of, you know, all, all of the, the protests and demonstrations that were taking place throughout the city, um, where we were talking about another family member and and how they just don't get it or, you know, they just have a really mm-hmm. different polarized view from from ours and what she's been raised um, to to understand. And, and in my home and our you know, environment, it's a safe place. So she, she can definitely debate, express her point of view and we can agree to disagree. But I think it was really challenging for her to understand or realize that this isn't the case with everyone, even within Mm -hmm. our own family. Um, So I think the lesson for her wasn't so much about learning to speak her voice, but to understand that not every argument is worth debating. Sometimes you just have to walk away. That's a that's a hard lesson to learn, isn't it? Uh, it really is. My um, my sense is that this generation, because they are connected all the time, they they have a facility with exchanges back and forth. Some of it's written, some of it's you know verbal, but they um 
they seem like they're constantly engaged in debating and discussing things. Um, do you find that you're, there's a, um, a generation gap in terms of the way they communicate versus the way you communicate? Do you find that it's um, that you are spending more time trying to understand them or, or have you adapted as they've adapted to, to new tools and, and, and ways of communicating? So I think myself personally, I've, I've adapted, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 42. I'm the youngest of seven. Mm -hmm. um, so all of my siblings are much older. Um, and I say that because um, I think just going off of that, that one situation where she, she learned that, you know, she can't always have that discussion to agree to mm -hmm. disagree. Um, I think a lot of it is based off of the difference in generations. Um, mm -hmm. Some of my older siblings and just the elders in my family are, you know, the young people speak when they're spoken to. <laughs> and when something's being asked, like you don't have an idea, you're too young to have an idea or or, or, or to really formulate a, a relevant thought. And I think yes. that that is definitely a huge, huge gap between the generations where um, they have so much information at their fingertips. You know, there's a lot of nonsense information at their fingertips, too. But, mm. you know, you, they, they are informed enough to make sound opinions and, and thoughts and ideas, and they need to be heard. Um, so I, I definitely think that, they're, they're, that it is a generational thing. But for us here at home, it's something that I try to always keep an open mind with them because it's important for me to stay connected with them. So, so what do you think is harder? Do you think that it's the, that the generational gap is harder to bridge? Do you think that the cultural gap is harder to bridge? You know, what, just in general, in life, in your life, um, is it easier to talk to people who grew up in a Latino or Latina, uh, culture, um, who are older or younger, or is it easier to talk to people of your generation, regardless of, you know, what their, their ethnic or, or racial background is? I don't think, I don't think it's, it's an easy answer. Um, I really have to say, I think it's a mixed bag, but if I had mm -hmm. to choose, I, I think it's, it's definitely easier to connect with the, the younger generation. Mm -hmm. um, I, I definitely think that there is a difference in, in level of open-mindedness. I, I definitely mm -hmm. see that across the cultures that, that I interact with. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the older generation within, you know, just my circle and, and, mm -hmm. and extended friends, I, I think that the older generation is just very comfortable Mm. Um, there is just, uh, there isn't that desire, that motivation to really seek out, mm. do some research, you know, try to really connect, try to talk to people outside of their, 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 their circle or their comfort zones. Um, where yeah. I think younger people do tend to do that at a much greater degree. Um, well, so I want to, I want to, I want to build on that because I think there's a difference between understanding people and relating to them. So if I have, you know, people of an older generation who are, or maybe not even older, but just who are very much in the Italian American kind of, um, ecosystem, I understand their worldview. I understand where they come from. I may not always agree with it, but I understand it, but I don't necessarily relate very well to it. 
because I have a different set of experiences or a different kind of daily interaction with maybe a broader or different group of people. So what's the difference between, you know, empathizing and understanding where maybe an older generation is coming from and then how you've put together your identity, which is, you know, kind of maybe more diverse in terms of its facets than, uh, than some of the people that you see that maybe you grew up with. And is that true? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not even really sure. Um, I think so. There's, I I think that there's just so many layers that always need to be considered. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think that there is a very big difference, right? Um, I have friends and colleagues that are definitely, you know, have a different set of values and beliefs, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that while, like you said, while I I don't necessarily agree, it's not my bag, as they say, I understand them. I understand that those those beliefs and those opinions and those perspectives have mm-hmm. have been formed by their life experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, you know, I, and and maybe this is where I get frustrated with. with <laughs> sometimes I'm not as as um, you know delicate with my opinions as well because mm-hmm. I'm like I just don't understand why you can't see it this way um, because. I just don't, my life experiences have been very different. Um, I, I don't, you know, as, as a Latina, I, I got to share. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm on the paler end of the Latina spectrum. Mm-hmm. So I can yeah. easily be confused or people will assume that I'm Irish or something that's Scottish. other. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You can look Scottish. There's very, very few <laughs> Latina Scots out there, but yeah, you could you definitely feel that role. So, so I've, I've been in, in conversations and I've been in, in rooms where people have, have said things that are totally inappropriate, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, hey, I'm in the room and that's not cool and you don't want to do that. Um, but I, you know, in, in some of these conversations, you understand why they have formed those, those, those stereotypes or those, you know, those opinions. Um, but it's really difficult for a lot of people to get past their, you know, themselves, I guess. Well, I mean, the, let me, let me go back a little bit. Um, a lot of times you start to notice, um, the bubble that you're in when you're a kid, um, where'd you grow up and, and how big was that bubble? Oh, so my bubble was in a couple places. So I, mm-hmm. I got to spend, um, maybe from like five to 10, 15, somewhere around there, uh, in North Philly. North Philly, mm-hmm. um, on the opposite side of the tracks between what is Fishtown, what is Port Richmond, which is predominantly white, um, mm-hmm. uh, Irish, um, a lot of Latinos Afro- and African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, I also lived in between. My parents, for whatever reason, jumped around quite a bit. And in Miami, which is, I was in, you know, Hialeah, which is nothing but Cubans and mm-hmm. a variety of Cubans and all kinds of shades. So, you know, in Philly, where I guess we're grade school, where 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 I spent most of my years for grade school, um, I lived in in like I said, North Philly. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't white, and I clearly didn't look Latina. And there was a a lot of. Uh, identity issues that I, that I went through. Um, sure. but most of my friends were in fact, you know, Hispanic and black. 
um, because I didn't live on that side of the of the train tracks. Yeah. No pun intended. Literally, there was a train track mm-hmm. that ran through oh, Kensington. Yeah. Um, so it was very different. Um, you know, I remember um, my mom, I, I think always just had it. She was always very, very aware of how Hispanics are looked at in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And if we crossed, you know, those lines and went into the other sh- shopping centers and things like that. So despite yeah. us looking a certain way, you know, we always were very aware that we weren't not Hispanic, you know, and that people would look at us that way. What, what do you think people, what was the, what was the view of Hispanics from your point of view? How, what was the pejorative view? If it was, it sounds like there was, you're kind of, your, your family's explaining to you, well, there's a, there's a negative view of being Latina. What do you think that was? Oh, um, so it's definitely that we were different. We were less than, I guess, is mm. to, to sum it up as, as simply as possible. I remember, um, you know, uh, my dad or, and later on my stepdad always being really careful not to get uh, pulled over by the cops because it was always like a dilemma. Like it's it's yeah. like such a fearful thing. Like I I I you know as a kid you didn't really understand what was going on. As you get older you kind of do relate to it and, and, and understand it a little bit better. But mm-hmm. you know we we definitely weren't um, middle class, right? We were low income families. We we were less you know we just felt there was this constant always feeling of we were looked at a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, not as worthy. So how does that, how do you reconcile that when you're a kid, especially if you're bouncing between these different um, environments where on the one hand, you know, it's, it's more diverse, but maybe more um, discreet ethnicities. And then you go to the other and it's, you know, it's, it's a more immersive environment, but you don't quite fit into either. Did you spend a lot of your time kind of trying to figure out how to blend in? Oh, for sure. Always. I always, and, and, and it's something that I carry with me today, right? So I, I constantly feel like I need to, um, you know, explain who I am, where I come from, um, and, and, and make sure that I, I represent that proudly, you know, that I am, I am mm-hmm. a Latina. This is my, my heritage. My parents are Cuban and Puerto Rican, but, but growing up, it was, it was definitely a challenge because yeah, I look, I look fair skin. I look like I'm Irish or Scottish, but my hair is, it's really big and loud and it's not straight and flat and, um, you know, shiny and blonde um did you want it, straight flat shiny blonde hair oh my gosh yeah like uh as in and, and i and i hate it i hate to admit this but it's something that even 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 my girls went through right like we just mm-hmm. we do this thing where we we try to beat the life out of our hair and 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 our identity um mm-hmm. i i envied my sisters because they can we could go out to the park or to the beach and they tan and for whatever reason <laughs> Yeah. I don't. I have freckles and I will burn quickly. And so there's there's a lot of feeling like, you know, just within my own family, like I don't fit in exactly. But within my within my community, like my other friends who who are Puerto Rican in, 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 in the neighborhood and we'd play with. And it's like, well, why do you look like that? You don't even look you don't even look Hispanic. Are you sure are you Puerto Rican and Cuban? Like, I, why do you look this way? Why do you have freckles? Like it's it was it's just something that. um you know, it's funny now and silly when I think about it, but at the moment, you know, it was, it was really, 
it was a challenge because kids can be mean on the flip yeah. side of things too. You think? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I want to talk about um, something a little bit different. This blending in and the, um, the idea of what a mom does, right? Um, you know, your, your mom helps you set a context and she's, you kind of read her and, and to help figure out the world. Um, your mom sounds like she's somebody who, um, who was very aware of the situations that she was walking into. What did she do for you that gave you such a strong sense of identity? Because you have a humor about yourself that people only have if you actually have confidence about yourself, if you actually like yourself. And you can tell because self-deprecating humor, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, in, in, a, in a way like yourself in order to be able to give yourself such a hard time. And you are a queen of giving yourself a hard time. So, <laughs> well, so thank how you did for your that. mom do that? She, <laughs> it it seems to me that she was a big help. My mom, my mom is a tough cookie for sure. My mom, um, like I said, I'm the youngest of seven and she only had, well, there's only one boy. So, um, wow. That that kind of for him the or, or or he's the king. Because he's definitely way. the king. He's a Latino. He's okay. like you know he's just he's yes. <laughs> what what's his name? Julio. My brother's name is Julio. S nothing happens in the house unless Julio gets there. <laughs> nothing can stop. Nothing can start. And if he's not there, we have to wait. It, it, even even today, I mean, it's like, <laughs> and we we all adore my brother. Like, I mean, he's obviously. He's my only brother, but he's my favorite mm -hmm. big brother, and I love him dearly. Um, mm -hmm. But I think my mom, with with, and granted, I I came at the very end. Um, she she always she was really tough. She was very very strict, um, um, very like typical, um, you know, beliefs in terms of what a girl is allowed to do, what a girl isn't allowed to do. But mm -hmm. aside from that, my mom was. While she was very conservative in those views, she was also pretty progressive, right? She, she was always like, you know, if 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 I was upset about something, it was just like she was very dismissive, like don't be such a drama queen, and kind of just, you know, suck it up, Buttercup kind of, yeah, attitude about things. Um, but she was also really hard in when I didn't understand things about the world or mm -hmm. certain things, like she she it's even hard for me to explain but it was almost like what do you expect mm -hmm. this is who you are you know those things are only for a certain class or that's for a certain race and my mom really would point out things and those things would anger me um yes. but you know i i understand and i understood then and i understand now still why she would say uh you we can't we probably shouldn't go there because it's you know these unspoken boundary laws like mm -hmm. in philly right you have these on mm -hmm. these 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 boundaries of different neighborhoods that you just yeah. can't hang out there and it's not appropriate for you and mm -hmm. and things like that but um without without being too i guess too too harsh too abrasive with it i mean she 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 gave me a clear view of the world um, you know, maybe, maybe not as encouraging, like, oh, you know, everything is, is all peace, love and harmony. She, she did give me a clear view of seeing things as, as they were. And I think that's one of the greatest things my mom probably gave to me mm -hmm. was to kind of see the bigger picture. So, so when you think about a mom like that, who's guiding you, um, 
you're, you've got the same responsibility now with two girls. What do you do that you think is different and why? What I think I do for sure that is different is that I don't put limits on my daughters because they are women. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, and maybe this is to a fault, right? Um, I think one of the things, um, going back to my mom's, you know, my mom was born in the 40s. Um, you know, you kind of live for your, to find a husband and, and be a good wife kind of thing. Whereas I'm like, if you find a partner, be that whatever or whomever that may be, you always need to maintain your own identity. And I think that's really important to me as a parent with of two, of two, of two women to make mm. sure that they always know who they are first. And anyone that comes into their life is a, is a, to a compliment to who they are as an individual um, mm-hmm. to, to really believe that they can do anything that they want to do. Um, mm-hmm. that they're going to fall and they're going to get hurt. But that's just a matter of getting back up and keeping, you know, keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the bigger difference. And and that, and that goes back to that whole generational thing, right? Like, you know, the world back then was something different. I remember my mom telling my sisters, who are obviously much older, who are much older than I am, you know, mm-hmm. they were having relationship problems and she was like, well, you need to dress up and make sure you look pretty when he comes from work and, and things like that. Now I'm like, look, if you have a problem with me, you need to go somewhere else. <laughs> uh, putting on some makeup and some heels is not going to fix it, you know, but that was, that's her mentality. And I, and I think that's where we definitely differ as, as from our parenting point of views with the daughters. Well, that, that's funny. Um, I think, <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy those types of uh, conversations where like, ah, oh, this is not, we're never going to really work this one out. We should just move on. Um, but but with, with the idea that um, you are trying to build strong, independent women who have a, a sense of their capabilities, what barriers do you see for your daughters right now that you wish you could wave a wand and have disappear. I wish, I wish that they wouldn't be looked at as women or as Latinas. I wish that they would just be looked at for as as individuals for for the qualities mm. of, of what that the qualities that they possess and what they have to offer. Um, you know, I I know the world is a mean place. I know that their their opportunities are are, are definitely broader and greater than, than, than they are for many. We're not ignorant to that fact either, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you know, (laughs) there are going to always be biases that they're going to face. And I just wish that they wouldn't, I guess. I mean, well, let me, well, let me ask it maybe a, a slightly different way because I feel like today's kids have much more pressure on them to succeed than we did. And I'm 10 years older than you. I was horrible in high school, underachiever, you know, maybe a B student. Um, the only expectations my parents had is that they didn't want me to have a job where I had to come home and scrub my hands from work. They just wanted me to do something other than being a welder or a pipe fitter like my father. But these kids, 
seem like even in an early age, they, there's expectations either placed on them or the way they're taught that they have to um, achieve. So how do For you sure. how do you balance that? How do you how do you keep them from you know not having nervous conditions or not having panic attacks or or not feeling like they have to accomplish everything by the time they're twenty one? That's that's honestly something I'm still struggling with. I I think with with my twenty year old as as she was navigating through through middle school, um and and heading into high school, and I remember picking her up. I think at some point in her in the middle of her freshman year. Um, art has been a, a great passion of hers and she's, she's very artistic and, you know, great with animation and, and, and a lot of it was self-taught. And I remember picking her up from school one time, um, from high school and, and she was full blown having a panic attack in tears because she's like the state of the economy right now, by the time I graduate, I'm not going to be able to find a job. And that's even if I get to go to college because I won't be able to afford it because clearly, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, single mom, you know, she, she's very aware of, of, of our situation that, you know, you can't, I can't afford everything that's out there. And, um, you know, I, I, I had to really just talk her through it. I mean, there, I, you know, as a parent, you, you, you know, you have to be able to know where your limits are and, and, and ask for help. So, you know, we, we work through, through, through some counseling, but the pressure is definitely out there because it's like, Hey, as soon as you are in sixth grade, let's say, they're already talking mm -hmm. about where are you going to go for high school, because sure. the state of the situ you know, the environment with, with, with education is, you know, you apply to these different charter schools or private schools or whatever, or you try to get into a, a better top-rated public school, um, if you don't live in one of those those kinds of neighborhoods, and you know, you have that mm -hmm. pressure, and then you get to high school, and the moment you get to high school, you're planning for for college, and it's like they're feeling like they need to know everything, and it's equally challenging for us as parents, um, and and even even my 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 youngest seeing her older sister having gone through all of this and granted Alexa is fine and she's she's Penn State now and she's thriving mm -hmm. she's doing very very well but my youngest is also like I need to start prepping for my PSATs I need to start doing this mm -hmm. I need to start you know focusing on 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 uh, research because she like I said she was very very interested in law and pursuing a degree in law and mm -hmm. I need to do this and I'm like just can we just get through this online pandemic situation first like yeah there is this constant need of if i don't succeed i'm going to be at the bottom of the list i'm not going to be noticed i'm not going to get you know like i think that this generation one thing that for sure i was not aware of um mm -hmm. was how expensive it is to to even think about having a career and yeah. and this generation is very well aware of that and they're very well aware and they're facing this challenge of you know those that are more attuned are thinking well um do i even bother do i just get a regular <laughs> job if i'm gonna if i go to if i go to the university am i gonna even be able to afford it if i do get a job once i graduate like i don't remember facing that um and maybe yeah. i was just really ignorant at the time but I don't remember stressing the way that these guys do. No, we were, I was an idiot. I mean, honestly, I sold circus tickets uh, over the phone. And there's nobody sitting at home thinking, I wonder if they're <laughs> going to call and ask me to go to the circus. Um, you know, and, and I had horrible jobs um, and was unemployed as soon as I graduated. I mean, I think like we both have 20 year olds and, you know, they, they, they share a lot of the same fears and we, 
we look at this and we say, you know, who's who's grading you? Where's the, you know, by what by what yardstick are you are you supposed to be measured? And I've asked my kid that too, and he doesn't really have one. He just says, well, I don't think I'm I'm excelling. I don't think I'm meeting my full potential. Um, so why why do you think that is? What what is what is driving that? It's not. It doesn't sound like it's you. It's not me. No, I think I think it's it goes back to what you said earlier, right? That we're all so connected and we have all these different social media platforms mm-hmm. and we all we always see the sunny days at the beaches on our on our feeds, right? We always see sure. all the all the successes. We never see anyone's failures on, on yeah. social media or in the news. Like we always hear like it's oh you know, this person yeah, yeah. Like this, this student got, you know, accepted to 17 Ivy League schools, like something ridiculous yeah. like that. Um, so I think, I think the culprit is comparison. Um, mm. You know, I, I, I'll share, like I said, my, my oldest is, was very, very much um, passionate about art. She still is, um, mm-hmm. but it was her major and, and, and she was really having a difficult time. Um, and as a parent, I had to tell her, you know, we really, you may need to reassess if you want to pursue this because mm. She was constantly comparing her art to someone else's. And to me, Ugh. art is, and to sound cliche, art is in with, you know, within the eye of the beholder, right? Like you, yeah, sure. you, you make something and it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there. It's not, you know, it's it's not as, as black and white as, you know, say, you know, you're working on microeconomics or something else. But it's art and it's what you felt and it was your interpretation and to have that scrutinized and literally put your, your heart on display for, for it to be critiqued by, by your peers in your classroom and, and, and constantly compare yourself to the one that was favored more is, is, a, is a really, really hard thing to do. And I think at, 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 at its core, I think that's really what's affecting um, the mindset for a lot of the uh, of the younger generation that they're constantly looking and comparing and saying, where do I rank? Where do I fit in this? Um, and there may not be something that's, you know, like, uh, you know, very tangible for them to, 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 to do that. But I think it just instinctively, that's what they're doing because they want to fit in and they want to keep up. And it's really, really challenging. Well, I, I, I think you're, you're onto something and I think it's, um, it's telling because I think about this, you know, the name of this podcast being allies and, and part of what we're trying to do here is to listen to what other people are going through and then see how we can support them. And I find that right now, the group that is under the most pressure is this next generation. And then when you add to that, that each one of them sees themselves as segmented you know i'm Mm -hmm. this type of person my kid will say you know i'm a i'm a pale skinny nerd you know (laughs) and you know that's he'll 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 frame himself that way Uh, a lot of uh references to lack of upper body strength right you know and and he teases himself um but he fits he he puts himself in a in a in a profile which is funny because this first thing you do in any social media is you fill out a profile um what do you do to be an ally for your kid without helicoptering. I think there was another one that I saw called lawn mowing, which is like you, you just totally shred any barrier in front of them, um, you know, so they don't have to deal with it. So instead of just dropping in, you just mow a path for them to walk on. How do you, how do you allow them to have trouble and challenges and difficulties, 
but still be an ally and, and support them without doing stuff for them. That's tough. And that's a hard transition. Um, I think, I, I think that was a transition that started for me when there were about 12, um, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, once, once we can have deeper conversations about current events and what's happening in the world around us. And, um, also playing devil's advocate, not agreeing with them all the time. Um, hmm. Sometimes I do it just to get a rise out of them, mm-hmm. um, just irritate them. But, you know, we can get into a conversation and and just say, you know, what do you think about that? Well, you know, um, you know, there there's a press conference with the president. What do you think about what he's saying? What do you think about even as mm-hmm. elections came through, we would have these these conversations. And I think. Um, really communicating and allowing them to start to formulate their own and express their own points of views and their own mm-hmm. beliefs and challenge them. At least for me, you know, that's, I think, been has been key to really understanding, are they ready for, you know, uh, how mature are they to handle certain things or, or, or face the world? Um, and that that was from everything from, you know, going out alone to to learning how to drive right i i think mm. it's important for me to know where where their their uh, maturity mm-hmm. where their where their where their heads at you know to to yeah, yeah. how they're going to proceed um it, but between that, one i had never heard that expression lawnmower um i don't I, I, you know if if the idea of being a lawnmower parent is that you remove all obstacles for them um, that's, that's not for me. That's not how yeah. I would approach it because, you know, the first fall, the first bump is, is probably sometimes the hardest, um, hurts the most, but the next time you're like, oh, okay, it's not that, that, that big of a deal. And, and, and you mm-hmm. learn and, and, and you really do grow and you build on your skill sets on how to just cope in life. Um, and how to help others cope in life so that they can share like, well, you know, it's not so bad. I did it this way and it worked out for me. Maybe it'll be okay for you. Um, so I want, I want to ask you something about that. Sure. Coping is I've noticed, and we started, you know, the whole conversation around this. I've noticed that you use humor to cope a lot. And so do I. Why is that? And why does humor work sometimes when a serious conversation can't? <laughs> I don't know. The um, I think, I think just levity is always a, a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I, it is laughter and 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 comic relief is is a huge coping mechanism for for us. I think it's really important to look at ourselves and poke fun at at our at ourselves and just in general. Mm-hmm. Um. I think there's a time though when when we do have to also have that balance for those serious heartfelt conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but some things are just easier to enter with a with a giggle or with a laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it, it's disarming. Um, I prefer to not be confrontational. So I think. Mm-hmm. That's why I, uh, maybe that's why I approach things this way. And the girls as well. Um, well, it is a good weapon, right? It just right? comes naturally. Yeah, it is. I mean, sometimes, you know, I listen to my, my kids, you know, we have an 85-year-old, their 85-year-old grandmother. And um, I listen to them and they say, Nana, how you doing? She's like, 
Ugh, I'm all right. And, you know, the 17 year old says, well, it beats the alternative. And she doesn't get that it's a joke. <laughs> you know, he could be dead. Um, but he loves that. <laughs> and he has these conversations with her and he, he uses humor to kind of deflect her, um, you know, her attempt to kind of bring him down. And I noticed that um, that's kind of a taught behavior. <laughs> that we, 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 in, we pass this along. And to a certain extent, it's a little subversive. You know, my kid has, um, I'll explain this, but this is, my kid has classes online and he's in Catholic school and you have to upload a picture of yourself. And so the first picture that he uploaded was of Richard Nixon and he didn't say anything. He just uploaded it. So every time they have a class conversation, Richard Nixon's face pops up. And I said, Jude, why, why are you doing that? He said, well, I wanted to send everybody a dick pic. <laughs> and so, so he, I said, did anybody know? He's like, the teacher did. He thought it was hysterical. And so last week he changed it for summer um, to Dick Cheney. So he had a different dick pic. Um, and, you know, this isn't a Catholic school. <laughs> and I'm like, Jude, I don't know how, if the principal calls me and says, why is your kid uploading a Richard Nixon picture? I don't know what to say, but... On the other side, high five. That's hysterical. Um, so when you pass along a subversive trait, how do you deal with that? You've, you, to a certain extent, you've kind of created a bit of a monster, haven't you? Oh, oh, for, for sure. I've listened. I've, you know, going back to the whole, how do you, how do you, you know, raise them to be confident, strong women? And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I have to just back down when I realize that I, they are becoming and they are already strong outspoken women even to a fault because I'm still a mom and I have to check them and say you know I'm not your friend I'm your mom um but it is a challenge because sometimes I'm you know uh, my oldest not so much but my youngest well, you know she, she she's very in tune with with my facial expressions as I have major mm -hmm. RBF <laughs> um so, so but my my oldest sometimes is is doesn't know when to stop and she'll come around and we're having a serious conversation and she'll try to try to make a joke of it and it's not working mm -hmm. this is not the time but i mean it's really hard um it's but you know what i wouldn't change it because i think um a lot of the time when I am upset or really frustrated, it's their humor. It's those moments that really yes. bring us closer that we can, we can connect um, a little, a little more and, and really get past the, the hurt a little bit and then come back to it. Right? Well, don't we, we, don't we, we can do that all the time though? I mean, because you do need that break, especially now with everything. Yes. You, you need absolutely. that ability. So, so I want to, um, I want to, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. Um, I've been, like everybody else, been amazed um, with the response that uh, the world has had with Hamilton. And when you look at the way that musical is told, with whatever flaws there are historically, I mean, it's not a documentary. Um, how important is it when you see art that is diverse? How important is it and how much... Um, do you think it does for kids to see something like that where people of color are taking the lead to to forge a completely different path in something like um you know uh traditional musicals i think it's incredibly important number one i think it's incredibly important for for 
kids and, the, and, and youth in general to be exposed to the arts. And that's a whole separate mm-hmm. topic, right? Um, a lot of us grew, grew up probably never having been able to sit at, to watch a, a musical mm-hmm. live and on stage. But, you know, with Hamilton, I think it's, is this, is extra special for me because Lin-Manuel Miranda, I think, is a spectacular human being. I, I, I really, mm-hmm. really just admire what he's done, what he's been able to accomplish, what he's done for the island, what how he's come and, and, and always, you know, extending his support. Um, and I think for, 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 for myself, for my kids, and I think for a lot of the, you know, minority children that are, are watching this or just in general, not even just children, but to be able to mm-hmm. say like, hey, you know, there is hope, you know, there there is something that we can look forward to. Like it this it, it just I, I, I can't even I there's so so much I want to say that I think that um it's just incredibly important to be able to share these stories, to give a different perspective, to see themselves, to really say that there is an opportunity out there. Granted, there should be more opportunities like this. I'm not saying sure. that it was easy because it, it definitely isn't. But um, I think it's incredibly relevant because, you know, I don't know that I had, if I, you know, that I had seen enough representation to feel like maybe that's something I wanted to do as well. Yeah. Um, you know, just being able to see yourself in someone else is sometimes all it takes, right? You know, how many, how many, how many, young young men out there looked up to michael jordan and said you know i'm gonna do that i want to like the mm-hmm. like the gatorade commercial like i i want to be like mike like i think it's yeah. incredibly important um and yeah i'm a total fan of hamilton so i haven't watched it yet to be honest with you but i've listened to the soundtrack a hundred times so. i did too and 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 so i saw it definitely you know shell out the 695 for disney plus and then cancel it if you want um but actually just watch the mandalorian also trust me um so if you uh which i tried to convince my wife and she's like hey, i don't want to watch a mandalorian and then she saw it, she's like baby yoda I, we need more of this oh no um, it's great it's great <laughs> so if you if what got me with that show was that he had to pitch it he had to get into a room and say i want you to float 15 million dollars to get this thing off the ground and it's a hip-hop version of a historical book. And I just think the guts to do that, and I love the idea that 65-year-old white men are being drugged to dragged to the theater and are listening to a hip-hop mm-hmm. musical. And I could just hear them, you know, leaning next to what what did they say? And <laughs> you are moving <laughs> so much forward in those little exposures. And, and it's so important. It's, it's really important. My, so I, I want to kind of um, tie it back to the diversity and the value of that, you know, knowing that, you know, you're in a relationship with Cliff and he's from Barbados. You look at the circle of your friends and they have a diverse background. You look at the circle of my friends and they're from all over the world. <laughs> Why? Do you see that this ability to have a more diverse group of friends, to be open to new experiences, why do you see that or why do you think that's accelerating? Why do you see that? Is it is it technology? Is it kind of the browning of America? Is it that these barriers are coming down because of connectivity? But it seems like for a lot of people, and there's a portion of the population that isn't going that way, but for a lot of people, 
they have a more diverse group of friends than their parents or their grandparents did. I definitely think it's because of the the barriers coming down, I think, and Mm -hmm. because we are more connected. Um, For me, I think on a personal level, not maybe not so much. Like I said, I, you know, being in in North Philly and in and and Miami and you have a lot of people all over the place. But in terms of my extended, you know, friends and 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 seeing these different friend groups, quote unquote, um, Mm -hmm. becoming more diverse, I think it is because um, you know, there's more connection. And I don't know if it's because people are, you know, leaving their circles. They're less afraid to Mm -hmm. leave the block, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. They're, 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 they're more inclined to adventure. They're more, I mean, I hear young people talking about traveling all the time and going Mm -hmm. to visit different places. Honestly, when I was young, first of all, number one, I didn't have money. Number two, it was just like a whole, like it really was a universal way. Like uh, Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't have thought about that. And I think that there is just this, there's, and it goes back to being so, you know, having so much information at their fingertips to realize like, hey, um, we're not that different. For example, like mm. you mentioned Cliff, right? So yes, um, Barbados. And and while we're culturally, you know, co- from two different cultures, there's so much that we have in common. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he likes to cook. I like to cook when I'm in the mood. Um, but there's a lot of things just in food. And I and for for us, food is a as a is just how we show love, right? There's so much mm-hmm. connection and time spent with food. But you know, looking at that and, and how we do different recipes, but they're basically the same recipe just with mm-hmm. minor twists. And I think that transcends to overall how we're learning more. We're realizing, hey, I kind of really have this affinity for, you know. Japanese cuisine and I think that you know it may start with something small like that and and um I and I see it through my kids even that they 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 find a a very novel interest in something and then it just kind of veers really deep into all of a sudden you know she's teaching herself Korean watching Korean dramas like yeah exactly (laughs) so I I I I think it's a connection in the barriers what I that may Two two things that made me laugh about that. One is my my kids became obsessed in Jamaica with Indian um, soap operas. I, I mean, look, I, I couldn't even put that combination together, but there was this there was a station on that had, and they got wrapped up in the soap opera. So every, you know, we had to wait to go to breakfast because they had to finish the soap opera. I'm like, guys, you're never going to find out what happens to those people. Um, and then the second one is my my kids in kindergarten. And the, the kindergarten teacher says, what's the shape look like? And he said, sushi. <laughs> and he was like, well, you know what? You're right. It does. It's, uh, and she wrote home. She's like, um, you, you Japanese? I'm like, nope. He just likes cucumber sushi. I don't know. It's just his thing. And, uh, and you know, he's 20 now and she, and uh, she's on Facebook and she's like, I still laugh. I still, I still think about him and just think sushi. Um, so you mean, you're, you open up these worlds of possibilities for these kids and they surprise you. Um, and you're right with food is love and, um, and the combinations might be different, a couple of different spices here and there, but it's still salty, savory, right? Sweet. You know, it's still the same type of things. What, um, I'm going to, I'm going to end, I end each one of these with, with two questions and they're, they're open-ended, but I think they're, they're useful in light of everything that's happening. And you can frame that however you want. You can frame it as COVID. You can frame it as Black Lives Matter. You can frame it as 25% unemployment or generational shift from you know baby boomers through Gen X to um, millennials. Two questions. So what? And now what? 
So let's take so what? So what that you're living in this unique time? Why does it matter? What's the advantage? What's the disadvantage? So what? The advantage is that we will be better, that we will be wiser, we will be smarter, we will be better skilled to understand. We're listening more, we're understanding each other more for good or bad or ugly. I think that you know, this, none of this will be in vain. We, we will definitely have learned better skills to be better humans. Is that, do you think that where the U.S. is relative to other countries in the world with Corona, do you think that is, um, is that a fundamental lesson? Is that a big wake up call? Is, is that a, um, a thing that everybody is going to see as, representative of a shift in the U.S.? I, I certainly do hope so. I, I hope it is. Um, when I look at, just in talking with other colleagues, I really hope that the rest of us Americans really realize that we can do a better job. It can so happen. Then, so then let's move on to the now what. I'm going to, let's, let's say we give Inez Pagan complete control. You have the reins to do whatever. What do we do? What's the most important thing that we have to focus on? What can we do to change things? And what do we want to change it into? I think if I had all the power, I think the first thing would be full admission. And and, and that's, like I said earlier, that's a, that's a big part of my parenting, right? Admitting when we're wrong. Um, and really having, exploring for a path forward. And I think that that's, has not yet taken place. Yes, more people are as, but I think as a whole, I don't think that we're, we're saying, Hey, we've messed up and we need to get it right and Mm -hmm. make a plan to do that. And I don't know what that would look like, but that would definitely be my first, my first step. And, and so if you made that plan, let's flash forward 10 years from now. What type of America do you hope for? I would hope for uh, an equal. Uh, just that's okay. 10 years from now, what I really hope is that, that BLM and, and these conversations are a non-topic. Um, I think, I hope that we will look back at it and we will say that was something that definitely needed to happen. It, it, we needed to grow. We needed that conflict. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of growth only takes place from conflict, right? We, we need to really mm-hmm. look at what's happening, look at the what the problem is. I hope that in 10 years that we would have put in place um, better policies to to support our citizens, better um, support for the younger generation to feel, you know, to have and feel supported by, by our governments to have the same equal rights, regardless if they're LGBT or whatever the case may be, that they don't have to feel like they're on the outskirts, that we are all whole in terms of full fully supported citizens i mean it'll never be perfect right 
and we're always going to have opportunity for growth. But I think mm. that's where I hope that we will be. So, so if you, if you think about that, um, what's the driver for that type of shift? Is it the change in generations where these kids get more authority and power? Is it a constant opportunity to educate? Is it um, maybe an understanding of the responsibility that comes with putting people in government? Um, what, what would you focus on first? I mean, as, as a mom, maybe as a, as a Latina, as a, as a woman on the East Coast, however you want to kind of position yourself. Um, what do you put as a high priority? I think, I think at the end of the day, I think all citizens, regardless of what nation, right? But we're talking about the U S mm-hmm. I think, I think we need, we need a, a leadership that, that really fosters that, uh, you know, inclusiveness that that really mm. fosters that equality. That really, you know, I'm not saying someone undecisive or neutral, but I think you know, be it if you're managing your home, your your organization, your your mm. business, strong leadership really is uh, is 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 critical. Period, um, and I think that's. That's what I would start with because I think, you know, a lot of it, you know, yes, um, I, I hate sounding cliche again and saying, you know, it's trickle down, but but it really mm-hmm. is. I mean, um, you is know, like a child needs to. Yes, yes. It, it, no, but I, I, that's exactly, I think, it sounds perfect. I think that we really need, we need structure and we need to be able to, you know, say this is, this is wrong. Okay. We're not going to keep doing this because this is terrible. And we need to fix it. Okay, so we. Just, and I know that's oversimplifying it. No, 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 you didn't. You, you actually it, look. It's it's hard to to take a complex subject and make it simple. But I think you and I just came up with something, right? You said trickle down, and I said empathy. If we get rid of trickle down economics and we replace it with trickle down empathy, that sounds a lot better. I agree. I think I think that that's what's lacking. I mean, I think, and I and I and I really do think, you know, there's a lot of admission to, to having made mistakes. Like, okay, mm. I'm not saying we need to beat the dead horse and you know keep saying you you know you did this, but you did this. Okay, but we all evolve, we all grow. You know, um, mm. you know, I, you constantly see these memes online. Says the person I am today isn't the person who I was two hours ago, let alone three years ago. But then sure. there's a lot of truth in that. There is a lot of truth in that because with every every experience, with every event that you go through as an individual, you're learning and and hopefully learning for the better, right? And 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 sure. and you can share that and and contribute that and push that forward um, to others around you. That you know, this is this is what I think now, and this is actually what I've learned. And okay. I think trickle so, down empathy works. I, I okay, so I wanna I wanna reinforce something here and I want to I wanna end on this because you've you've said this a couple of times and I and I love the way that you raise your daughters and I get such a kick out of the the way they look at you. But I know this that they will they will tell you that you embarrass them and you do stupid shit. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you my stupid thing and the thing that they call me on all the time. And then I'm going to ask you to, to think of something that they do that, you know, they totally nailed you to the wall. 
So my kids tell me when I don't know where something is or where I'm going, they look at me in public and say, you look like a Muppet. Your hands hang out at your side and you turn your head and then your arms follow half a second later and they swing and you look just like the Muppets when they look around. And then, and I'll come back to the car for something like, you know, you did the Muppet thing again. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, you did the Muppet thing. And they call me on it. And I find myself now, even when they're not around going like, am I Muppeting? Um, because they've nailed me because they know me so well. So this is how I want to end. What are your kids? What have your kids nailed you about that? You know, you're like, I'm guilty as charged. I did it. <laughs> they always catch me on the uh, either. I totally space out when they're talking to me and I don't hear mm. them anymore because apparently I'll just not hear what they're saying anymore. And you get that look and they know that look. They're like, she's, she's gone. We lost her. <laughs> And they, they start talking about me in front of me. And apparently I'm so in, like enthralled in something else. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, you did it again. That and and me being on my phone. And, and it's again, okay. I just lose focus. So so they know when, you know, they're trying to have a conversation with me. And I'm just, I just, <laughs> man, I'm in space. <laughs> See, and I they think call me on it all the time. That's perfect. Because it means they know you're human. And they still admire you anyway. And that's the part that I get a kick out of, honestly, from, to watch that. Um, so that's what I'm going to end on. I'm going to end on the ability to look like an idiot in front of your kids. Um, and as, as it, it is just an absolute pleasure to talk to you and to, to hear a little bit more about how you navigate with those beautiful daughters, this type of environment. So thank you for, for joining us on the Allies podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate being invited. So thank you. All right. Well, that's all the time we have now for the Allies podcast. Uh, please do tune in for the next episode. And if you have any feedback about the podcast, what we can do differently, um, what we can do better, please let us know. And if you catch Inez just staring off into space while you're talking to her, just recognize it's a thing she does. It's fine. The daughters are aware of it. <laughs> all right. That's all the time we have. Thank you. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you.